Well, welcome to Wilshire. We are glad that you have joined us today. Thank you visitors especially for joining us on this day. You've come to a good church and I hope you give us a chance to show you that right after this service. I know it's already been mentioned, but I'll just mention it again. Uh, right after this worship service, we're going to have a time of fellowship back in our fellowship hall, coffee and some kind of food that's probably really bad for you. And uh, we hope that you'll join us uh, in that. And then uh, a little bit after that, maybe 15 minutes of fellowship, and then we'll go into our Bible study. So if you're visiting, please, please, please give us a chance to get to know you. Come fellowship with us. Maybe stay for Bible class. We would love that. Well, mostly we're studying the book of Acts on Sunday morning. But today is Mother's Day, and I will get in so much trouble if I don't have a Mother's Day sermon. So I'm going to have a Mother's Day sermon today because I would like to be able to go home tonight. Uh, and I'm glad, too, because I, I, I look forward to this. I, I think this is an important day. Dads, there is a day coming. It's not a patch on Mother's Day. It's not nearly as good. You'll probably get a tie, another tie. But you have your day coming. But today, it's about mothers. And uh, there you go. Thank you. Already getting amens. I like it. Uh, and, and it should be, I, you know, mothers obviously, not everybody is a mother, not every woman is called to be a mother, but mothers are one of the ways that God has sort of sculpted human life so that we all have this experience. And I, was, I got curious about that since I knew I needed to preach a sermon on mothers. And so I started looking and it turns out there's, there's quite a bit of theology in the Bible that makes use of the fact that all of us have mothers and all of us have some kind of an experience with our mothers. And so uh, I, I wanted to, I, I, I couldn't talk about all of that, but I wanted to talk about three points that I think uh, the Bible uses to help us understand God and understand what we're doing as God's people uh, using the fact that we all know what it's like to have a mother or in some cases what it's like to be a mother. And the first point is this, God through mothers shows us that we have more to do than just serve ourselves. You know, one of the Ten Commandments, one of the Ten Commandments is honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And it turns out that's a big deal. That's not just when you're a little kid, obey your parents, although that's included, that also means when your parents are old and they're no longer able to take care of themselves adequately, honor them by taking care of them. And in fact, that actually gets more ink than the obedience part. Little children obey your parents. The, in, the, in the Old Testament especially, there's a lot said about uh, people having this job to do to take care of their parents when they're old. Whoever robs their father and drives out their mother is a child who brings shame and disgrace. Whoever robs their father or mother says it's not wrong is a partner to the destroyer. Uh, Proverbs 30, verse 17 is pretty graphic. The one that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother, will be picked. Uh, the eyes will be picked out by ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Have a nice day. Uh, it's pretty graphic. Even the New Testament kind of says something like this about our duty to take care of those who took care of us. 
Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So this is one of the first pieces of theology that we get in the Bible uh, is that you, because you have a mother and a father, you are born into a system of obligations. You are not here just to please yourself. Whether you choose it or not, you have duties to perform as a human being. I, there, there probably is not a teenager anywhere in the world who hasn't said something on the order of when they're angry with their mother or father, said something like, well, I didn't ask to be born. And most parents have probably fired back, it's a good thing too, because we would have said no. <laughs> you know... <laughs> Now, it is true that some women really desperately want to be mothers and pray for that, but I don't think any women choose to be pregnant. Who would choose to go through three months of pregnancy? I said three on purpose just to get that reaction. What do you mean three months, you man? It was nine long months. Nobody chooses that. And that's right. That's exactly right. This is not, the, the world is not just about you and what you choose. This world, God's world, us as God's creatures, we have duties to perform. And our families teach us that. The fact that the mother-child relationship teaches us that. The mother learns that. And the child learns that. I owe to my mother obedience and and then old, when I'm older, I owe to my mother care and concern and respect. I owe those things. And that is part of how God brings out of us this recognition that this world is not just about me feeding my particular appetites. This is not just about me doing whatever makes me, you know, uh, is, is the pleasure of the week for me. This world is about being a God's image person. So that God actually begins, as I mature, to shine out of me. And, and my hands begin to do God's work. And my mouth begins to say God things. And my feet begin to go to God places. And I, and I can actually be a God imager into this world. The worst thing that can happen to you, the worst curse I can think of, almost, to put on a person, is that you spend your life just chasing your pleasures. I cannot think of a more perfect recipe to be miserable and to waste the gift that you have, to waste what God has built into you, the beauty that's possible to come out of you, and the glory that you could reveal as God's image bearer, the unique God image bearer that you are. I cannot think of a better prescription than to say to you, tell you what you do for the rest of your life, just whatever pleasure pops into your head, just chase that. When you're done with that, chase another one. There's no better recipe to destroy, waste, rot, and corrupt your life than that. And God tells us, you are built for so much more than that. You don't... You, 
I need to train you. I need to raise you up. I need to teach you so that you can learn what's really good for you and so that you can learn what's a worthy pleasure for you and so that you can take pleasure in the things that I take pleasure in and so that your joy can begin to be the joy of spreading my love and my goodness out into this world that needs it so desperately. We do not just live for ourselves. We live as God's image bearers into this world. The second thing I noticed as I kind of went through this exercise for myself is God, through mothers, puts God's own love on display. It's not the most common image for God's love, but it is a persistent image for God's love and Jesus' love in Scripture, the image of a mother's love. Jeremy used one of the passages uh, that, that make this point uh, in his communion talk, and, but there are a number of others. Isaiah 49, Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. And God answers like this, Can a woman forget her nursing child? that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb. And then he says, yeah, maybe some mothers do forget. Maybe some do. Most don't, obviously. That's the point. But maybe some do, yet I will not forget you. I have engraved you on the palms of your hand, of my hand. Your walls are continually before me. That's a good image. God loves like a mother loves. A new mother loves. I've said this before, but uh, Yodi's actually the one that taught me this one. When a baby is born into a new family, first child comes into the family. I felt this way, and I know most husbands feel this way. I don't think my wife loves me as much as she loves that baby. I remember feeling a little bit like that. And it was much, much later, after we had kind of raised all of our kids, that Yodi kind of showed me the quote that put all of that in perspective. She said, of course she doesn't love you as much as she loves that baby. She doesn't even love herself as much as she loves that baby. She would die. For that baby. That's the way most mothers tend to feel. Most fathers start feeling that way too. If things work the way they're supposed to. And God uses, he pulls that pretty universal human experience. And he shows and says, well, there may be even some mothers who don't feel that way about their kids. But I always feel that way about you, my people. I love you. I cannot forget, every time I look at my hand, there you are, engraved on my hand. I love you. Isaiah 66, that's the one Jeremy used in his communion talk, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, Jerusalem. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. You, my people, you, I will comfort as a mother comforts her child. And Jesus says something very similar. Jesus, in the New Testament, we see him in so many ways. He just is the God of the Old Testament, walking around on two legs. He steps into that role. And so he says this, this is quoted in Matthew and in Luke, Jerusalem, 
Jerusalem, that city that kills the prophets and stone those that are sent to it. How often I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you're not willing. It's the image of a mother hen being protective, trying to, to fend off danger, gathering up her chicks. Jesus says, that's me. I wish I could save my people. That's what I want to do. I'm willing to die for my people. God uses mothers to put God's love on display. Not just so that we know academically, yeah, okay, God loves me. I know that sentence. I could answer that correctly on a true-false test. But that we start to feel what that's like, that God loves me. God is as concerned about me as my own mother was concerned about me. This is a real love. This is not an abstract love. You ever get angry with your mother? She loves you. At the same time, do you ever get angry with her? You ever resent her? Let me ask you this. Of all the people in the world, if your mother is still alive, I bet you she is the person who is most likely to call you on you being wrong. Most of the people in your life will smile right in your face and let you just go on messing up. But your mama, she will say, that's not okay. Even if you get mad at her, even if you storm out, even if you give her the dreaded eye roll, she will call you on your stuff. That's real love. She doesn't do that because she wants you to be unhappy. She does that because she really wants you to be what she knows you could be. And that's God's love too. And we get mad at God for the same reason. We get mad at God for the same exact reason. God, you know, his word, if we actually read it, it tells us what's wrong with us. And I don't want to hear it. I want everything to be fine, even when I know it's not fine in part of my mind. I want, it, I want God's word to just tell me, you're great, Jim, just as you are. Now, what it tells me is God loves me just as I am. Loves me more than I love myself. But it also says, oh, yeah, you're really not fine, Jim. There are some things you need to change. God's love wants me to be who God created me to be. God, through mothers, kind of teaches us a little something about what God's own love is like. Then I ran across this other piece of theology. I had help with this one. Some other scholars had, point, had begun pointing this out, and I didn't pay much attention to it for a while, but I kind of liked this last one. God, through mothers helps us understand the role of the church in bringing up God's children. That's, an inter that's, that's, a, that's actually a metaphor in the Old Testament and the New Testament that God's people, the corporate, the community of God's people is, is cast as mother repeatedly. The church in Galatians, as you see, is cast as our mother 
And in the Old Testament, over and over and over again, the prophets use that image, that Jerusalem or the people of God. That group is the mother and we are the children. God is our father and uh, Jerusalem or the people of God acts as our mother. Again, going back to that passage that Jeremy used, look at how both images are used in this same passage, Isaiah 66. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pains came upon her, she delivered a son. Who's heard of such a thing? A woman not having to be pregnant for nine months, not having to even go through labor. Just poof, there's a, there's a child. Who's heard of such a thing? Who has seen such things? Could a country be born in a day? Shall a nation be delivered in one moment? Yet, as soon as Zion was in labor, she delivered her children. Shall I open the womb and not deliver, says the Lord? Shall I, the one who delivers, shut the womb, says your God? Rejoice with Jerusalem. Be glad for all of you who love her. Rejoice with her in joy, all you who mourn over her, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast, that you may drink deeply with delight from her glorious bosom. Here is Jerusalem, symbol of the people of God. Jerusalem is the symbol of the church now. This is Jerusalem as the nursing mother. The first nourishment that you receive as an infant is coming from God's church, God's people. That's the image. Then it shifts, as Jeremy pointed out, and God himself becomes the mother. And, and he will care for us. He will comfort us. God's feeling of mother. There are people who say that Christianity is inherently sexist because it refers to God as he and father. That is a whole complicated deal. I could give you a very dry academic lecture about the pros and cons on that one. Let me just say two things about that uh, real quickly. One, we don't have to have an abstract imagination of what it would be like to have a culture with female deities and whether that would be better for women. We actually have historical examples of cultures with female deities. We have them currently, we've had them in the past. Having a God that is female does not do very much for the status of women. We can check with the cultures that have had that and we know. The great mother cult of the ancient world, the modern female cults of uh, polytheistic cultures that we know of today. They don't do much for the status of women. Second thing I would point out is, if you think God is a boy, you don't understand what God is. If you think God is a boy or a girl, you're not getting what the Bible says about God. God is called Father uh, and sometimes mother, because that's the way language works, not because he's a boy, right? God is, you know, he makes human beings in his image, and he makes them male and female. We're all equally in God's image, obviously, but that has nothing to do with whether you're a boy or a girl. It has to do with your ability to show forth the character of God into the world and to do God's will on earth as it's done on earth. Uh, in heaven. Uh, and so 
I, I think we need to help people realize that Christians, even though we call God Father, and sometimes in these passages Mother, we're not thinking of God as being a boy or a girl. We are thinking of God as what he is, the creator of everything. And the one who created male and female in his image. And that is the truth about that. Sorry, had to take a small, small detour there. Let's get back to this. The Old Testament presents God's Old Testament church as our mother. God is father. Sometimes, not always. Paul does the same thing here in Galatians 4, which we had read at the start of our worship service. Tell me, you who desire to be subject to the law, would you, will you not listen to what the law says? For it's written that Abraham had two sons, one a slave woman, the other a free woman. One, the child of the slave, was born according to the flesh. The other, the child of the free woman, was born according to the promise. Now this is the allegory. These women are the two covenants. One woman, in fact, is Hagar from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem. For she is in slavery with her children. But the other woman corresponds to Jerusalem above. She is free and she is our mother. That passage says that the real Jerusalem is right here in this room right now. Every time the church is together, that's Jerusalem now. Jerusalem the physical Jerusalem had that limitation of only being in one place. Jesus has spread Jerusalem, the presence of God, all over the world. Wherever there is a church, there is Jerusalem. And that's our mother, spiritually. That's an interesting piece of theology. It's a weird piece of theology to think about. But it is an interesting piece of theology. I don't think that I've really gotten to the bottom of that one yet. I'm going to have to keep thinking about it and keep studying on it. It's just fascinating to me. There's several things that I think follow from that. One, you resemble your mother. You can't help it. Saturday lunch should be these items. Fried chicken, mashed potatoes, green peas, biscuits, and milk gravy. This is what makes a Saturday lunch. Yodi and my doctors say I might not have that anymore on Saturday. But this is what makes a Saturday lunch. And the reason why, let's all just stop and think about that for a minute, shall we? <sighs> Memories. Well, the reason why that is Saturday lunch to me, is my mother, right? That is what she made. You probably have your own Saturday lunch. Your mother imprinted on you. Can't help it. This is the way life is. Your church imprints on you. You bear the marks of your church. Sometimes Hopefully, mostly for good, sometimes for bad. If you grow up in a mean church, you may be a little mean. If you grow up in a loving church, hopefully that imprints love on you. And your church is what God uses to rear you from a baby infant Christian. And to help you learn how to spiritually wipe your nose and tie your shoes. Learn to walk and learn to run. 
and all of those things. That's what the church does. That's how God wants to do this. I'm sure he could have done it a million other ways. He has chosen to use the group of people that are sitting to the left and right of you and in front and in back of you. He's chosen to use them to mother you, to nurture you, to raise you up so that you can grow up to be the right kind of person, the person that can bear his image, that can take his love out into the world, that can be his hands, his feet, his mouth, to do his will on earth as it's done in heaven. That is a great image. <coughs> Your mother ever ask you to do chores? I really never was clear <clears throat> on where clean socks came from my whole life. <coughs> Yodi will tell you I'm still not perfectly clear on that. Because you know, somehow you take them off, you put them on the floor, just randomly, wherever they fall. And then you go to the sock drawer and there are clean socks in there. That's just what happens. My sisters resented the fact that I was never tasked with the chore of doing laundry. I would be a better man, probably, if I had been given that chore. I would have developed some skills that I really liked. First time I had to live on my own, it was a shock to me. It was like I was approaching an alien artifact. So this is what a washing machine looks like. I went to a laundromat. I was living in South Carolina. And I went to a laundromat and it was like, hmm. I wonder how it works. I mean, it was serious. I had just not been given, I had not been given that task, and I didn't know. Let me tell you something. Your church, your spiritual mother, trying to raise you up, comes to you sometimes and asks you to do chores. Comes to you in the face of Ruthie Barnett and says, hey, we need somebody to help with the babies. Comes to you in the face of Tammy Newell and says, VBS is coming up. Doug, I need you to dress up again and look silly. Comes to you in the face of Gary Dilworth and says, we got people in the hospital. I need you to come with me to visit. Comes to you over and over again. This church comes to you and says, I need you to do some chores. Those are not, I mean, they may be inconvenient sometimes. You may prefer to do something else sometimes. But those are not just extras. That is part of the way that your church mother is helping you to grow up and fully develop. When your mother, the church, asks you to do stuff, you need to do it because that's part of how God works into this world to help you grow up into a mature, functioning Christian, a person who can show out the love of Christ, show out the love of God, who can could minister to other people and can stand on your own two feet. That is what we learn. God, through mothers, that is what he teaches us. If you need to respond to God's great and glorious invitation through Jesus Christ, who has sacrificed himself to protect us, to gather us up like a mother hen under his wings, to save us from what would otherwise destroy us, if you want to respond to that invitation, if you need prayers, or if today is the day that you'd like to receive baptism, why don't you come as we stand and as we sing?